Happy Father's Day, everybody. Amen. Want to uh, show you a little slide from Lester today. Every once in a while I get to visit Lester on a Sunday morning and then come and join you in the afternoon. Justin, can we run through the slides? Thank you. There we go. Uh, some of you, you recognize Jafor. He actually came out to church for a couple of months last summer, and he was uh, seeking asylum in the UK and working on various things and had to go down to London, but recently I found out he was in Leicester. So he came out to service today and just wanted to say hi to everybody here, and uh, he's really excited to start studying the Bible again with the church there, so that's very encouraging. And um, also I just wanted to read you a little poem. We all are familiar, of course, with uh, the Lawrences, and uh, they have a little son named Wesley who read a poem to his father, and I just thought I'd share it with you. It was quite cute. It's called The Boy's Prayer. It says, My father, who art in front of the TV, Daddy is one of your names. You are the one whose will is done in this house and on all car journeys. You strive and sweat to provide us our bread, Nando's, and Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) Forgive me for not supporting your football team as I forgive you for not supporting mine. You give me the look when I'm falling into temptation and deliver me to the school gates. For you are the last word, the power over the remote, forever and ever, or at least until I'm old enough. (laughs) To have my own kids and be a dad to them the way you are to me. Amen. You can imagine little Wesley, who's not too little anymore, uh, reading that to his dad. It was great. Let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. It's interesting uh, that today is Father's Day because uh, it just so happens as we've been teaching through Hebrews, uh, chapter 12 lands on today. And... uh, There's a lot about a father in chapter 12. It's uh, really a chapter that's explaining to us our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And uh, there's some great just uh, points and much encouragement in this passage. And so I think it's just very suitable that we read this. I also chose a couple of video clips today uh, from Star Wars. You know, everyone's kind of excited. Uh, maybe you don't know or, or not, but they're restarting the franchise again and going to finish three more movies. Uh, the first one came out in 1977. I was 21 years old. I went out of the theater and went right back in and watched it again. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite an experience. But anyways, uh, in memory of Dad, we're showing some of the older clips And uh, my son, he saw me kind of playing at the computer. He goes, you're not going to show, Luke, I'm your father. I said, no, that's that's not one of them. Okay. So, uh, yeah, when you have Darth Vader as your father, that's not exactly the thing you get, um, you know, you write home about. But anyway, uh, anyways, the good news was Darth Vader got converted at the end. Okay. And all's well that ends well. That's for sure. So let's look in Hebrews 12. We're just going to start reading in verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, the Bible describes in a number of places that our lives here are like a race. And I have to admit that for many people, this isn't an encouraging uh, uh, sort of analogy. Uh, who likes running races? Okay, let's put this way. Who liked running them when they were young? Okay, there you go. See? See, uh, racing, it's right up there with camping for many of you. And that was okay when I was a teenager. You know, and uh, a lot of people like to run the quick races, so they're, you know, they're over, over and done, sorted, dusted. But you know, uh, r- running is hard work. Running in a race requires focus, determination. It, you know, it's not something you just take lightly. No, nobody just says, oh, you know what, I'm 50, I'm going to go out and run my first marathon. Uh, at least if you go say that, you will regret it if you approach it that lightly. Because to get ready for a race, it really takes some training. But see, we are in a race, and this race is important because it is actually the race of our lives. And why our lives are like a race is because there is a course that we need to follow. Now, praise God, it's been marked out for us. Jesus has been in flesh just like us. And He's shown us how to live. He's introduced us to God with a whole new point of view. And that is God as the Father. And so we're running this race with our Heavenly Father basically having set the course for us through Jesus Christ. And it's just an amazing analogy because you run to win. Nobody goes into a race to lose. You know, sometimes you go into a race just to finish. I know a lot of people that have run a marathon once, and they had only one simple goal, and that is just to finish. Now, let me tell you about the Christian life. That's it right there, too. It's just finishing on the course. It's just following Jesus to the end. It's persevering. It's enduring. It's actually just being faithful. And it says at the beginning of this passage, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And you know, if you were running a race in a stadium, which a lot of races took place in stadiums, the stadium would be full of spectators. But the cloud of witnesses, are not, they're not just people watching us. We just read in Hebrews chapter 11 of a great list of heroes of faith. Men and women who did amazing things for God. And they understood who God was, and they were engaged with Him, and they ran the race of faith that God asked them to run. And so we're not just surrounded by spectators, though we know from a biblical point of view, when someone dies, they they are basically asleep, and on the last day they'll be raised with everyone else. That's, That's the biblical model. But we're surrounded by their witness, the testimony of their lives. And see, we take that with us. And they are cheering us on. They they are saying, you can do it too. God will help you as He helped me. 
And there, there's a testimony there that can absolutely change us. You know, have you ever tried to run carrying a heavy bag? How does that go? Not usually. You know, most of these cheap bags, they break. And then, and then what do you got? Then, then well, all your haste, you know, is totally uh, lost. And all the time you're going to save, you know, it, it gets lost. But, but the truth is, if you're going to run, you want to be wearing as light of clothing as possible. And you want the clothing to be free so the, your movement is good. In other words, you want to cast off everything that entangles you. Everything that weights you down. And that's the advice of the Hebrew writer to us as runners in this race following Jesus. Throw off the things that distract you. Throw them off. Have you ever run and then turned to look behind you? What, what typically happens if you run and turn? Now, I hate to embarrass my son, but I have a memory that's amazing. We were... Uh, we were walking down one of the streets in Southern California, and there was one of those glass phone booths, completely clear. And uh, there was a parrot or something uh, on the street, and you know, Justin never walked anywhere. He was always just—we called him Dash. He was just moving very quickly. And anyways, he was kind of paying attention to this, and then he just turned and took off at a sprint right into that glass before anyone, you know. He was out of reach. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? He was out of reach. It was just a smack, and he was on his back. You know, you can't run a race looking back. You can't run a race if you're distracted. And I'll tell you, if there is one thing distracting in our, in our lives, it's the world around us. The world distracts us. Jesus told this parable of our hearts being like soil and His Word being like the seed. But He said there's a problem if we get distracted. And in Luke 8.14 it says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now God has an amazing plan for each one of us, but it's cooperative. He's not going to change you without you working with Him. You have to run with Him. You have to keep your focus on Him. He empowers us, but there's a cooperation going on. And so that's why the writer says, throw off those things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. It's for us to respond and to set ourselves to run. And then he just says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. You know, this word perseverance can also be translated endurance or patience. It's an attitude of confidently standing firm. You know, why do we get impatient? Because we don't think things are going to change unless we apply a little emotion into them. That's where impatience comes from. We, we could wait, but we're like, it's not changing. And that energy, isn't it amazing how that energy comes up, right? And it comes out and it can be very, very bad. Sometimes a little of that response can save your life. But a lot of other times we're being impatient because we're not, we're not just running the race God wants us to. There's many challenges along our way. But look, he says in, ver, in, chapter, in sorry, verse 2 and 3, fix your eyes on Jesus. And in verse 3, consider Him. We have a, a, a Lord, we have a Savior who has run the race. 
Consider Him. But you know, the great news is, He's not just a spectator. One of the blessings of becoming a Christian is receiving God's indwelling Spirit. Jesus is in us. Now, we're going to watch a little clip. And I think you'll get the point. Look, I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't understand why we can't see Yoda now. Patience! For the Jedi, it's time to eat as well. Hmm? <laughs> eat! <laughs> eat! <laughs> I'm going I'm to pause it right here. Just the, Actually, we've got the wrong clip somehow. We've got to head to the next clip. To go backwards. There we go, that one, yeah. got your attention anyways. You know what happened here? It's very interesting. Earlier in the film, and of course I'm not going to get into the theology of Star Wars, but what they're talking about is sort of that there's this all-pervading force, okay? We call it God, okay? And uh, basically what happens is his mentor is killed, but is able through this force to speak to him. And so, you know, it's this very famous line. Luke hears the voice of his mentor. Luke... Use the force. And I think what's interesting for us is we have a mentor. Not only are we surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, but we have Jesus who has run the race. And then after he died, it's interesting, it's, it's very similar in the story of Star Wars and the Bible. When, when Jesus died so that he could then pour out his spirit on the world. And in fact, Jesus is now everywhere. He's with us even right now. And so we're running a race, but we're not alone. 
We're running a race, but we actually have Jesus in us, helping us. He's around us. And, and what was happening with Luke, he was going to use his equipment, he was going to use his, his eyes, his ears, his feelings, he was going to use all those things. But the voice said to him, you know what? Trust in the force. Trust in God. You know, if you're like me, uh, I, and, and many of you are, my time of running races is over. You know, I mean, I'm interested in running for approximately about 20 seconds these days. I mean, I'm not really interested in running long distances. Uh, you know, the whole point of it, I just, I know how I'm going to feel when it's over. And, you know, I do get on my treadmill and do a little bit of running every week. But I must admit, it's sort of like, it's the minimum just to keep the body sort of moving. You know what I'm saying? Stay alive. But you know, the race we're running in is so much more important than anything of our flesh. We are running a race and our goal is heaven. Jesus for the joy set before Him. What was that? It was an empty seat at the right side of God, right hand of God. Jesus knew where He was going. And so He ran the race. And we can't grow weary. Though it's easy to feel that sometimes. We need to keep our focus on Him and run. Well, what makes us weary? Go to the next slide, thanks. What makes us weary is just the difficulties of life. It's not the easy things in life that make us weary. It's, It's the struggles that we have that make us weary. It's the challenges that we face. And if we think that in those challenges somehow God isn't working, then of course we're going to feel even more weary. But if we understand that in fact, one, it's part of the course, who are we following? We're following Jesus. But not only that, but He is with us and in us. Let's just read a little further. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we read verses 4 to 11. It says, In your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Which is kind of a moot point, because if you're able to read this, sit and read this, then you're not dead. Okay? So if you're reading this, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Now, listen to these words of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God disciplines those He loves. And those disciplines come in the form of hardship or difficulty. Who's experienced some hardship and difficulty? Okay? That's God's love. Okay, there's no doubt about it. You might say, but it was really hard. He was really loving you. 
God allows us or sometimes organizes these difficulties because of His love for us. You know, the word punishment is in the Scripture, but actually the word is, is talking about whippings. Whew, that's, that's heavy. But the word punishment, I want to make a distinction here. There's a big distinction between discipline and punish. See, when you punish someone, the only thing you're worried about is justice. What's right and wrong, and what sort of is an equal sort of punishment for the action that you've done. That's what you're focused on. But discipline in the Scripture always is focused on what's best for the child. Discipline isn't about justice, though sometimes discipline teaches us about justice. Discipline isn't really even about punishment. It's about training our hearts. And so, you know, sometimes we look back and we don't look back at our upbringings and think, oh, I got disciplined. We're thinking I got punished. And then we say, well, I deserved that. But if all you see in your punishment is what you deserved, then you're not seeing the love of the one who punished you. Now, sadly, we live in a very imperfect world. And sadly, some of the discipline that gets done isn't about love. It, in fact, is more about revenge. It is more about someone doing back to someone what was done to them. But that isn't God's way. God's way of discipline, though He uses very strong words here, is because of His love. And so it's important for us to see that. We all face difficulties. He says here, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when He rebukes you. I don't know, how do you feel inside when you get rebuked? I don't just go, what wonderful words of encouragement. Do you have any more? That's not how my emotions react. When I get rebuked, I get so focused I get feeling sorry for myself. And I, and I don't feel loved. But that's because I don't understand the one rebuking me. When God rebukes, it's for one single purpose. To help us as His children. To actually train us. It's part of His discipline. You know, sometimes we just accept hard, hardship fatalistically. Oh, that's life. But how do we learn if we don't think there's something to be learned? What's the point of just taking a discipline and not trying to learn something from it? Of course, sometimes we we take our discipline and it's begrudgingly. See, the, the, the heart of this disciple is this. What can I learn from my difficulty? Actually, I think this passage really helps us understand James 1 verses 2 to 4. It's right up there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, this word perseverance, it's the same word endurance. When it says that Jesus endured, it's the same word. He persevered. And it says that we need to run with perseverance. Now, where does that perseverance come from? Perseverance comes from facing your trials. And and he says here, he says, 
It says, consider it pure joy. Boy, this is changing how we think about our pain and hardship, isn't it? Whenever there's pain and hardship in our life, we need to ask ourselves, what is God trying to teach me? Now sometimes He's just reminding us of the brevity and frailty of human life. Sometimes He's reminding us we can't do things on our own strength. Sometimes He's reminding us that we need Him. Sometimes He's reminding us we've taken our eyes off the goal. And the fact is, He isn't doing anything. We've just run off the path. And all of our problems and hardships are our own. We've created them by not doing what God has wanted us to do. Sometimes people turn away from following God because they think the hardships are too much. But let me tell you, you leave God, you go into the world, there's still going to be hardships. At least if you're a Christian, your hardships make sense. God is training you. And we have, a, we have a promise that all things work to good for those who love Him. And so we know even as we're going through this difficulty, God is working. Chapter 12, verse 11, it's one of the most understated statements in Scripture. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. And we all said, Amen. Okay? But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. See, God's trying to give us more righteousness in our heart, more peace. But we have to be trained by Him for these things to develop. Now we have another clip because uh, Luke was just not a good disciple. And we can watch this little clip here. I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't understand why we can't see Yoda now. Patience! For the Jedi, it is time to eat as well. Hmm? <laughs> eat! <laughs> eat! Hot! Good, sir. Good. Hmm? How far away is Yoda? Will it take us long to get there? Not far. Yoda, not far. <laughs> Patience. Soon you will be with him. Good leave. <laughs> I go. <laughs> Why wish you become Jedi? Hmm? <laughs> Mostly because of my father, I guess. Ah, uh, father? Powerful Jedi was he. <laughs> Powerful Jedi. Oh, come on. How could you know my father? You don't even know who I am. No, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. You will learn patience. <clears throat> Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? Not ready. Yoda. I am ready. I Ben, I, I can be a Jedi. Ben, tell him I'm re- ready. Ready, are you? What knows you ready? For eight hundred years have I trained Jedi. I don't count to what I keep on who is to be trained. The Jedi must have the deepest commitment. Hmm? 
the most serious mind. This one, a long time have I watched. All his life as he looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, what he was doing. Adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. You are reckless. So was I, if you remember. He is too old. Yes, too old to begin the training. But I've learned so much. Will he finish what he begins? I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. You know, what word does Yoda keep repeating? Patience. Patience. You know, it's the very thing we're talking about. Endurance. Is, will he finish what he begins? That is the question. You know, God has given us everything we need to finish the race. He's given us many examples of faithful people before us. He's given us a scripture to teach and instruct us. He's given us his son Jesus and his spirit in our hearts. But we still must run. We must persevere in this call to follow. And things don't always go the speed we want them to. Have you noticed that? You know, it says in the scripture that a day with God is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And sometimes we want the answer to our prayers right now. But it takes time. And God allows us to wait so that we can be transformed and change as we run. You know, going back to Hebrews 12, let's start up again in in verse 12. Hebrews 12, verse 12, it says, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Learn from God's discipline. Make straight paths for your feet. Sometimes we make our lives harder than they have to be. We're not learning the lessons. So there'll be a repeat discipline so that we will learn. You know, Esau is very specifically mentioned here, and his story is tragic. We know Abraham, he was the heir of the promises, and we know Isaac, and then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, Esau, and the oldest was actually Esau. He should have been the one to inherit the blessing. But just simply because he was hungry... He sold sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now sometimes we read the story and we think, yes, Jacob was shrewd, Jacob did all these deals. You know, Jacob was only shrewd because Esau wasn't going to keep his word. Esau wasn't going to give Jacob what he'd actually promised to give him. 
And so Jacob used some deceit, but God blessed him because it was actually Esau who had the wrong intention. Esau despised his birthright. We were studying this in our D group with the teen, teen and student guys. And we were talking about, you know, a bowl of porridge. He gave it all away for just a bowl of stew. We, we're calling it bowl of porridge. B-O-P's. Oh, no, P-O-B's. You know, what's your P-O-B? You know, there's a guy that we were studying the Bible with actually all of last year. And he came out right at the beginning of this past school year and then disappeared. And I'm his friend on Facebook... And guess what? About two weeks after he disappeared, checking on, wasn't answering calls or anything, checking on Facebook, I saw this most beautiful blonde-haired girl with him now in his Facebook photo. That's a B.O.P. right there. That's a bowl of porridge. You're trading your relationship with God and you're running the race with Jesus for what? And yes, you know, the best thing in this world are relationships, but nothing is better than one with God Himself. And we must run the race and throw off everything that hinders. Jesus said, if you want to be a disciple, you must love Him more than anyone else. And you must be willing to give up everything if you want to follow. You know, it's interesting, in, in verse 14 it says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. Now he's talking about Esau. He doesn't mention Jacob by name, but this really fits Jacob. After being gone for 20 years, Jacob moved back to where he'd come from, and he was still very worried that his brother Esau would kill him. So he, he sent Esau gifts. And he sent these gifts ahead so that Esau would know that he didn't want anything from Esau. He wanted to bless Esau. So he was doing everything he could to live at peace. And then he was by himself, and that night he wrestled with an angel. And that's where Jacob became Israel. He who struggles with God. So he put all his material things ahead of him. He got rid of them, and it was just him and God that night. We need these nights, we need these times of wrestling with God to really find out what He wants for us in our day-to-day -day lives. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Our real struggle is with God and it's accepting His will in our lives. And if we become bitter, it's between us and God. Bitterness is a discontent with what God has given you, with the, with the things that God has put in your life. Bitterness happens because you don't accept God has allowed this difficulty or this hardship. And so the root of bitterness is not accepting God's grace and not passing it on in relationship to others. Accepting our hardships as God's discipline puts everything into the right perspective. And so this is a new way to look at things. Consider it joy when you go through trials. And you know, we have all gone through trials. One trial we have, we have faced has just been repeated grief and loss at death. And for me personally, it was another week of that with uh, my brother got his... He has not been open very with the family, but we got a prognosis that actually he has six months or less to live. That's my brother, just a year older than me. 
He's actually had cancer, I'm going to say, for about 12 years now. He has been fighting through this. Last year alone, he had 18 chemotherapies. And uh, that's just now he's beyond the reach of that. And uh, there'll be some radiation and things, but no more chemo. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge. I feel burdened inside because of it. And, you know, we all have faced these losses in recent times. And it tests us. This is my first Father's Day without my father alive. You know, 56 Father's Day I've had with my dad. This is my first one without. But you know, this is part of life. And God teaches me to be grateful for what He has given me. Do we accept the difficulty and struggle in our lives? Or do we resist it? Or do we think that in fact people are the problem? It's not people. You're running your race with God. We can't make excuses for things in our hearts because of other people. If we're running the race with God and every difficulty and hardship He's allowed or even orchestrated in some cases, we need to accept that with joy and run the race. I'm not saying this is easy. In fact, I'm here to say it's very difficult. You know, Tammy's not here today because she may have pneumonia. She's had it about four times. And, you know, if you've had pneumonia, it's easier and easier to get. And it's a very dangerous condition to be in. Uh, We got x-rays on Friday. We'll find out tomorrow what they say. Please continue to pray for her. You know, but we're, we're just frail, aren't we? We are so weak. And we can be worried about so many things that in fact are just distracting us from the race we're supposed to be running. This is a race we're running with God. It's a course marked out by Jesus. It is His plan for our lives. You know, read a little further. Chapter 12, verse 18. You've not come to a mountain that can be that cannot be touched. Sorry. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words, that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now this picture is the picture of Mount Sinai when the law was being given. And God had manifested Himself in a storm and there was lightning and there was fire and it was, it was scary. And the people were quaking with fear. But what He says here is, you haven't come to that. Listen to what we've come to, verse 22. You've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You know, we have come into God's presence. And this is what the church is. It's a little outpost of heaven. And when we sing our praises to God, we don't see it, but the angels are joining in with us. Isn't that amazing? The angels sing with us. We are in joyful assembly. And we are worshiping God as they do. 
You know, sometimes we're in a little house church and, you know, sometimes we get the short straw. We don't have many singers in our group and we just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But even in that setting, the angels are there praising God. I know we just would love to hear them a little bit, but, but they're there. And I'm so grateful for what we have here. But can you imagine the angels and the praise? Can you imagine thousands upon thousands? How encouraging would it be? How many people have been in a large group of disciples, like more than a thousand singing? How does that feel? Doesn't your spirit just rise? Don't you just... It's like, okay, let's just... Can we all stay here? Do we really have to go when this is over? See, the great news about where we're going is it never ends. We'll be worshiping God together forever. But the church is a little piece of that, and if we have the eye of faith, we can actually see what's going on. It isn't just us, but it's with the angels we are praising our God. We began by imagining a stadium full of heroes, but surrounding them are hosts of angels. We are, it's an amazing image. And all they're looking at us going, run your race. Finish the course. Let's just finish here. Hebrews 12, verses 25 to 29. It says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, one of the tough truths of the Scripture is there's only one way to be saved, and that's by following Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no back door. There's no plan B. The plan for this world was Jesus Christ. The Son of God was offered as a sacrifice for our sins. That's that's what God did for us, and only He can save us. And so we need to see this, though. If we reject that message, what's left? Fiery judgment, not because that's what God wants to do, but if you don't accept His plan, that's the other alternative. God loves us so much that He gave us His one and only Son. God wants us to complete this race, but we need each other. You know, we can be also a stadium of heroes with each other. We can encourage each other. And the book of Hebrews talks about that. See to it, brothers, that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. But encourage one another today. That is the plan of God. So, you know, I know that the racing motif doesn't always fire us up. We start thinking about a race and we start thinking, man, is this a 26-mile one? Is this a marathon? Well, I mean, it's up to you how to look at it. Either it's going to be a marathon or it ends soon. So it's kind of your choice. 
I don't know if you would, you're going to choose the sprint. But the point is, I'm glad to say it's not our choice. God, God knows our time. They're written in His book. But here's the truth. Will we run the course that's set before us? There is only one way to heaven, and His name is Jesus. The force isn't impersonal. The force is incredibly personal. His name is Jesus. Use Him to run the race. Let's pray as the worship team takes their place. Our Father and mighty God, we thank You so much that You have equipped us with everything we need. And Father, we marvel at how You've made this world. The, the creation just proclaims that You are powerful and eternal and beyond our understanding. But Father, Your eye for detail shows us that You are a God who cares. And Father, we thank You for that. I pray that we can learn to love You with all of our minds, all of our hearts, all of our strength. Help us, Father, to believe Your Word with our minds. Help us to trust You with our hearts. And help us to obey You with our strength. Help us to love in faith and really really just show You how grateful we are for what You've done for us. Father, we know that we can't do this without You. And we know that you want us more than anything to be with you. You've proven that to us time and time again. Father, I pray as we go through this week, we'll, we'll embrace our difficulty differently. That we won't allow it to get us down and we won't become weary. But Father, we'll fix our eyes on Jesus. We'll consider Him who endured the cross and endured the trials of sinful men. Father, we, we will consider Him and we will persevere. Father, we thank You for Your amazing blessings, for Your promises, and we pray, Father, that we can live them out. But Father, I pray also that this week we can help someone else learn something about You. Through our actions, through our words, through our prayers, I pray, Father, that you can use us to bring glory to your name. Father, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Can we all stand, please? To follow on from today's sermon, you can sing, I've got oil in my lamp, talking, in, uh, talking about God's given us everything that we need in order for us to give him glory. I've got oil in my lamp, keep me burning, I've got oil in my lamp, keep me burning.
Have a great time of fellowship. Yeah. Parents, uh, parents, please collect your kids. Parents.